the birthday winner for Jason McManus has ever told Jake's the champion hurdle. Vanilla Ingo Alaho together, Chad storming through. Barry Geraghty on Chad has lifted the prize late on. Shishkin, easy as he likes. He's hard on the rider here with Nico de Boinville. Shishkin has won the Sporting Life Arcos. Chantry House up towards the line. Going to follow up his Cheltenham win. Now he wins at Aintree. And the grey buzz. O'Shea Murphy has grabbed the lead late on for Nicky Anderson. And it is Buzz who comes through to win. Nicky Henderson, good morning. Nick, good morning to you. And that was appropriate that we saw Buzz at the end there because he, he looked at the star at Ascot yesterday. How is he this morning? He's good, apparently. I mean, I'm afraid he, he, um, he was having a lion when I left. Uh, um, well but I have, he has been out since. And uh, no good because he sometimes he can be a little bit creaky. Um, but, and, you know, that ground would have been verging on quick enough for him. He wouldn't want it any quicker. Um, but apparently he's perfectly all right. He trotted up really well. So is he now a fully paid-up member of the top team at Seven Barrows? If you were seating them at the top table, is he up there now with the... Well, he's come a long way from the beginning Kay. of last season when he, he really hadn't achieved very much. I mean, he'd won a maiden at Taunton rather scrappily. And nothing looked if it was going to... didn't look as if he was going to break the headlines. But he, he, he just progressed enormously, with, especially in soft ground, which he loves. Uh, and he went to Ascot a couple of times and ran some very good races and then finished up with, um, when he was second in in the grade one at Aintree when we upped him in trip mm. to two and a half. That sort of led to what we're doing now. Um, we had what I actually thought was a um, pretty scatterbrain idea that the Cesarowicz suddenly popped its head up. In fact, I mean, well done, Jess and James Stafford, because... It was their idea. He was still in the field and on the 12th of July he came in. So it was a bit of a rush preparation to get him to Newmarket. Um, but I thought it was pretty scatterbrained, I must admit. But, you know, he's, he's just come a long way now. And yesterday I just thought he was very professional. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, th I think we've got to go up in trip. The way he saw out the, the finish of the Cesarewish, and we're looking at it here, he doesn't look like a horse who's going to stop anytime soon. You, you've got to be fit and stamina laden to win a race like this. He must have been, yes, you've got to be fit. And that was the, the worry that we hadn't had him in that long. So um, he's done very well. We had to be quite hard on him to get him there. I bet. Um, and he had a, you know, it was a nice break until yesterday. So. Um, you know, now you've got a month till the long walk. And the good thing about him is he loves soft ground, so you haven't got to worry on that side of it if it comes up, if it ever rains again, because, you know, at the moment, it's driving us all mad. Now, now this, is, this is quite interesting, because normally, if there's one complaint that comes out of Seven Barrows, is that it's too wet, because your <laughs> horses normally fly on this good ground. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're doing all right. I mean, we had a good weekend all round, but... Um, you know, at least with him, you know that if it is yeah. going to come up wet, you're, it isn't going to be an issue. But is it an issue now for, for all trainers, all joking apart? Is it becoming a, a problem it now? It is. You're having I to mean, hold a few back. We've, we've had to... You know, I walked around Ascot on, on Friday, and they've done a great job. I mean, I did have to take one novice hurdler out, which was a pity, because 
very much like to have run him, but he's, he can hopefully go to Newbury on Friday. Um, Newbury, we galloped there on Tuesday, and I mean, he had a beautiful strip of ground. So I'm hoping Newbury will be safe for everybody, and then we can really get stuck in. Now, the other novice hurdler you did want to run at, at Ascot didn't, didn't actually jump off. Cascover on the other chase, yes. chaser, sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was a surprise to everybody because that is not in his vocabulary. I mean, I think we know the horses that might not jump off, that it can be tricky at the start, and you know from them at home. Um, but it, it's totally and utterly not in Cascover's vocabulary. Nature, yeah. Um, I think probably, I very nearly went to run him at Ludlow tomorrow. I don't. He won't do that again. But I think, to be fair, we've probably just said we've always run him in earplugs, and I think they probably just want to come out. But it opened up this debate, didn't it? And I saw your your interview with with Matt. I was I was away, but I saw it on the mm. uh, on my phone about whether or not the horse should have been declared a runner or not, and whether punters should have had their money money back. I just cannot understand. My only, I'm mean, a very simple way of looking at it is, I mean, if the horse, I know he's under starters orders as such and that I think constitutes that you are a runner or something like that but for me if the horse hasn't crossed the starting line how could it possibly have started it hasn't started I mean it's a big question it's it a, is it's a, a big debate question that's, that's gone not back one for me to answer or solve I can assure you I mean I think my take on it is that if the horse has been taken away miles from the tape and there's absolutely no no question of the horse coming into line mm. then the starter's got to say right that hasn't come under starter's orders it was never a possibility mm. but if the horse is actually there lining up the tape goes back and he just plants himself I kind of think that he has to have been deemed to have come under starter's orders what well, was bad luck there the second time they came in mm. he was going to go and the tape jammed it was their uh, malfunction, and he yours. was he was going. Yeah. There was no question. Then the th then the third time he got fed up with it and decided not to, um, and he just stood still. I mean, nothing. Nick, the only way he could get him back was to go the reverse way around yeah. and back up the hill, <laughs> the wrong way round. Well, something we might talk about a little bit um, a little bit later in the program yeah. when when Dave Yates joins with talking points. What did you make of Aplutar yesterday? Did he strike fear into your heart? Yes. Um, but I'm delighted to hear he's not coming to the King George anyway. Um, I think he was saying there he probably prefers going left-handed, um, which is great, but I thought he was awesome. I mean, how in the world can a horse be taking... She, I mean, she took a pull three out, she took a pull two out. Amazing. Um, he was just in a completely different league, and that does frighten you. And... You know, we're going to go back to the English-Irish sort of debate. It's already starting again, isn't it? They're, um, they've, they've come straight over here and, 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 and beating our best standing on its head. Yes, and when you uh, see that the, the amount of entries that are still in the Ladbrokes at, at Newbury next weekend... Mm. Well, I'm sure they're going to come in there as well, yes. I mean, there's going to be a... It's, it's going to happen all the way through because I think those... You know, the, the big three yards there, certainly, have got so many numbers of good horses. They're going to have to come to England. Um, and, I mean, we're going to come to the Tingle Creek in a fortnight's time. And <laughs> I think it's a strong division, the two-milers, but I think Willie's bound to come with something, only because there won't be all the races for them all in Ireland. I wish there were.
<laughs> yeah, but we don't because we want Shishkin. <laughs> well, you you to, want to see we the want to see Shishkin taking on some proper horses. Well, you do, but just to, like I've always said to start with, if you can just get one run under their belt without having a complete um, dust up. It, it does help. But I this mean, is a grade one. You could have run him last week if you wanted to do that. Well, I know. But, um, no, I mean, we're going to have to take them on and we're going to have to fight it every weekend and from now until the end of the season. OK, this conversation would have been borderline inconceivable maybe even five or six years ago, even though Willie Mullins was dominant and Gordon Elliott was strong then. The sort of conversation we're having now, the idea that a stable like yours could be actually on the back foot in terms of good horses is is pretty extraordinary we've got some very good horses some lovely horses and they are as as, as good as 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 probably a batch as we've ever had but they are um yeah we've got some it's going to be very difficult wherever you go um we're going to get attacked from all sides and you say what we saw yesterday was an object lesson in what's going to happen or could easily happen the rest of the season. We're going to have to sharpen our pencils quite a lot. OK, so the obvious question is why? How has it developed this way whereby if you're a British-based trainer, even you are going into the festival as a sort of underdog? How has that happened? <laughs> I think there's been a big... The sourcing of horses and where they come from um, has changed dramatically over the last five or six years. I think, you know, we would all remember when it was rather embarrassing that... It, that Everything was French bread four, five, six, seven years ago. Now, everybody could go to France, anybody can have a look at them, and you buy whatever you can lay your hands on. Um, it's extraordinary. That French, there's still quite a lot of French horses coming into the system, but where it has, it, it's, it's now all about the Irish point of pointers. Nearly all these horses have come out of that field. Um, and it is Irish point of points. They they are well prepared for that. Um, they've had schooling bumpers, point to point schooling days. Um, they have just probably got the advantage in that they know more about them than we do when they run. Mm. And so everybody's already, you know, they've, they've earmarked them. The filtration process is very efficient now, isn't it? So the identification of who are going to be the absolute superstars is taking place amongst some extremely well-informed people quite early on. Before we get... I mean, the only time we're going to get them to see them if they come to the... We, we had a Tattersall's had a sale at Cheltenham last week. There were some lovely horses in there. I mean, there was one, there was one point to point where the, the first, second and third all turned up at the sale. All three made 300,000 plus. Now, is there a bit of you that thinks this is bonkers? I think it is. I'm lucky enough to, to be in some situations where we do you know, get some high-priced, lovely horses. Um, but there is also a, a very big... You know, there's quite a... There's been a, quite a little exodus of English owners going to Ireland as well. Mm. Um, which is sort of, um, I don't say it's frustrating, they're entitled to go wherever they like. And I don't know, th th there might be more prize money out there, but of course they're racing, win a maiden hurdle over there, to be fair. They haven't got, we've got a, a lot more opportunities mm. for horses, although we don't seem to have so many opportunities for sort of different classifications of horses. I mean, we just have a handicap or a novice hurdle. I like the Irish 
program book has much more imagination about it. It's more imaginative, but much more competitive in terms of the, there are fewer opportunities for the, for the very good horses. Yeah. Um, so they have to kind of race against each other a little, more, a little more frequently, arguably. Yes, you do see some of these hurdle races for horses that haven't done this and done that, and you will only see four or five. Mm. Um, and, and in the good, when you get to the top operational in Ireland, again, in those novice chases and things, you won't see too many runners. Um, you know, when, say, Envoy Allen was appearing last year, he wasn't, there were never more than three or four taking him on. Um, but they do have a, they have a, a huge amount of high-class horses that they can bring to the table every day and so that it's got to be a bit more competitive yes but do, do, is it not the case that you're and clearly you're going to know an awful lot more about preparing horses for big targets than I am but is it not the case that you need to get sort of significant high level experience into horses before you chuck him in against the the Willies and the Gordons and the Henrys that you need them to be streetwise enough to cope at that pace and that level you do and I mean you could say we took Chantry House to Sandown the other day for a race I love. I mean, how long I'm going to be able to keep arguing that he should stay there? The well, I'll just call it the Nicky Henderson benefit <laughs> chase. Uh, uh, there were two runners. <laughs> I mean, the other horse was a good horse. But, but would you have fancied a few more runners just to condition him that little bit more? Yes, you certainly weren't going to argue, but the, the, if he had to make all his own running, but he did all that very well. He's very laid back about life. Um, he's going to have to go straight in to the hurly-burly of a, of a King George, I suspect, um, because obviously he doesn't need another run in between. There weren't a lot of runners in the marsh chase last year, I think, possibly because Envoy Allen was in there and mm. everybody was avoiding him. Um, so, yeah, he hasn't been thrown into a, a, a big field where they're going to go much, much quicker. And does that... Is that a worry? Is that a concern? I, th I think it is to a degree because he's quite a, he can be quite laid back about the whole thing, and um, he'll want to be as sharp as we can get him. But at the moment, he, he wouldn't have that. But the only thing, the good thing you have that he actually was until Aintree last year, he was he was doing all his winning over two and a half. So he's not a, he's just not an out and out three miler. He's got the pace to win. Grade one races at two and a half miles, which shows he has a certain amount of pace, so he should be able to cope with it. Now, I know all, these, all of you are supposed to train all these horses the same, and none of them are supposed to be getting any special treatment and whatnot. But when a horse like him goes from being, yeah, nice horse, nice horse, to double grade one winner, to, oh, he's our King George hope, is he occupying much more of your mind than he, than he might otherwise have been? No, he's he just beautifully straightforward. So it, it's funny. The a lot of very moderate horses that have problems and issues and attitudes mm -hmm. take up far more time and take up your good riders and everything. Trying to it's just as important to win a bad race with a bad horse as it is to win the good race with the good horse. So as I say, it, very often actually the other way round, your time is taken up trying to sort out something that is at, at the other end of the scale. Um, I try and every now and then to try and get one below 100. I can't have a rating and I don't seem to be able to manage it. Um, I don't know whether it means I'm stupid or they don't believe me. Um, but, um, How many horses have you got rated below 100? 
one. <laughs> Budget is just scraped in last week. <laughs> Who is he or she? <laughs> There's a horse called Elantos that's going to run this week. Um, I think he's the only, I'm sure he is actually the only one below 100 now. Is he well handicapped below 100? No, I don't think he is. <laughs> I think he's appallingly handicapped. <laughs> um, but you don't really want a stable full of horses below 100, do you? Well, it, it's very nice not having them. No, no it's not. <laughs> I like any horse you can have. But you know, we are very lucky. And it's, it, you know, to, to have good horses is, is what keeps you going and gets you up. And it, it, you know, those are the races we've got to try and win. But as I say, it's just as important. I get just as jumpy and nervous watching an ordinary horse because it is that, that's that owner's big day. It's that, that horse's big day. You know, they've got their own mm. derbies and champion hurdles and, and they might be at Plumpton and all around the country. It's just as important. Uh, you said it a few moments ago. It struck me you might. This might be the nicest team of horses you've had. Well, there's a lot of potential in there, and even that right down to the youngsters. Um, in the, the, with the older horses of chasers and hurdlers, you know they they look quite strong. Novice chasers, there's some very nice ones to come out. But particularly, I like the the, the novice the novice hurdlers and beautiful horses. That have got real futures. I mean, long-term futures. Mm -hmm. So, bad luck. I intend to be around for a bit. Well, uh, well I don't think anyone's ever going to doubt that. I mean, you'll just do this for for as long as, won't you? That, that's my intention. I've got no desire to do anything else. And I couldn't. I've got nothing else I could do. And I understand that it's it's an addiction in some senses, but. How do you sustain that level of competitiveness, that kind of urge, that desire to to defeat all these titans that are coming over with their brilliant horses? Well, I think it's the titans coming over with the, the brilliant horses, and it's also the younger, you know, some very, very talented young trainers as well. And there is, you know, that have... Let's say got new technology, they've got new, new, new ideas. I don't think we're old-fashioned in our way I mean the team I have are absolutely brilliant mm. and you know I could not do without them because um, you know we've got to keep rolling with the times and I say the, the, the you know with the Paul's always been there we've been having our own yeah. battle for 10 years you know, we've virtually been first or second. Yeah, you've won four of the last ten, he's won six of the last ten, I think you've won four of the last eight. So. Yeah, um, but now with, you know, very big, strong operations, obviously like Dan Skelton's, Ollie Murphy's, um, Donald McCain's been going around, Fergal O'Brien, you know, they are, they are doing some fantastic things. And so it's not just as if... We were, you know, we're automatically just going to have a have a head-to-head -head with Paul. It's going to be very competitive. So is, is what they're doing making you do things differently? Does it force you to think out of the box and start picking at the seams or tinkering? No, I don't think so, but I think we've always been quite... Go ahead. We always try and do something every year to to sort of improve. Like what? The place. Oh, we've rebuilt barns and we've built... We've 
we've imported sand from Wexford like Willie <laughs> Mullins uses. And that, Did that work? Well, it works very well, except we've discovered you can now find it in England, which is <laughs> rather... Bit cheaper it's a bit from, cheaper yeah. than it is importing it from Ireland, yeah. Um, we've put in all sorts of new gallops and, yeah, we've got to, you know, we try and update the whole thing um, all the time. Is it, all, is, it about, is it about fitness? Is it about trying to get horses even fitter than you were getting them before? Is that the bottom line? They can run harder for longer. I don't think I do, probably do do that. I, it, it, where it's interesting, when you come to the, the the flat racing part of it, that in those staying races, it's a fitness. And I know some of the jockeys say they like riding our horses in the stage races because they are fit. It's a different type of fitness mm-hmm. um, that a jumping horse probably come, brings to the brings to the table than a, than a flat race horse. Of course, the flat race horse is fit, but it's it is a different type. Um, I don't think as ah, uh, I don't think um, I don't say anybody's hard on their horses, but that but I don't think we do as much as you possibly could do. Sometimes I'm a little bit too gentle. You can I like them to look right. I like them to look the way I want them. Sometimes that's possibly a little bit. Um, if you see the French horses, for example, that come over, I mean, they're not just lean, they are mean mm. and lean. And then we get them over here and aren't happy until we've got them big and round and shapes. And they, But they all run very lean. And that's just the way it is, but they're very good horses. Um, and I think, you know, possibly fitness does come into it. I, there's no doubt that... I think Martin Pipe probably proved that as a, as a you know, when he was in his heyday of, of training thousands of winners a year, they were supremely fit. Yeah. And they were much fitter than anybody else's. Hasn't the baton been passed? Hasn't it sort of gone Dickinson, Pipe, <coughs> um, Paul Nichols then, and, mm. and, uh, and you're talking about the Skeltons and the Murphys now, in terms of, you know, you're having to, you're having to increase the the sort of readiness of these horses as time's gone on. You know, you're having to tighten the screws that, that little bit more. You do. There's no doubt you do. But it's hard to make yourself do more than you, your sort of natural instinct has always told you to do and say, gallop it, gallop it. I don't like doing that. To be ticked. I mean, where we're stuck at the moment, I love using grass. And we're very lucky because we have... A lot of beautiful grass gallops, which we can't really use at the moment, mm. um, and that's frustrating because once I can get onto there, then th- these horses will be better for it. I mean, two bits of work on the grass will bring them on enormously, but it's not as if they're they're unfit at the moment. They're they're running pretty well. Um, you know, we're numbers of winners wise. We're, we're way ahead most years I think we've ever had. The three, the three or four even way ahead of us. And the, and the big guns, most of the big guns haven't even even come out yet. I mean, you talked about Shishkin, and we talk about Batons being passed. It's gone Sprinter, Sacra, Altior, this horse. Um, I watched a piece the other day that you did, and you sort of seemed to say that he's a bigger, better horse than he was last year. I think he, he physically did incredibly well through the summer. Um, is, that, I mean, is that manifest in what he's doing on the gallops 
No, it's not, to be honest with you. He's not a great... Um, if you compared the, the sprinters... I mean, we've just been incredibly lucky that these horses have followed... I mean, Chishkin's got a long way to go yet mm. before we sort of even compare him to the other two. But if, if you... As far as what you see at home, um, Sprinter was was unbelievable. He, he was lucky. He was at the same time as Simon Sig, and they complemented each other. Altior was absolutely brilliant from day one. I mean, and nothing could could work with him. No horse could school with either of the two. Shishkin is a different kettle of fish. He's he's not a flashy horse at home. Um, you would not know he's as good as he is. Um, consequently, he is taking quite a bit more work than you would, than say the others would do. Although they were probably finding it easier, he doesn't do an awful lot. And as we know, he's very good, and he's not really doing an awful lot of work at home. You've really got to keep pushing a bit. And how important then is the is who rides him? Um, it is very important. Luckily, I've got a a huge team of, of very, very good riders, and they know their horses very well. Nico rode Shishkin yesterday. Um, he rode Champ, actually, first, and then Shishkin. Um, but um, you, you, good riders are vital, and that's where we're very, very lucky. We've got a great squad of people that um, really know, they, and they know the horses very well, so they can feed us. I mean, the one person I always have with me is Charlie Morlock because he knows exactly. He's been with me long enough to know that he can. He can actually think my. He's he's got it before I've thought of it, sort of thing. And you you were said very openly in a in an interview last March that you you need literally you need someone to be your eyes if not your ears because your own eyesight is 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 failing you how how are you feeling at the moment i'm great because there are a lot of things i can't do but the one great thing there's nothing as far as the 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 job's concerned if you call it a job mm. um that that it it interferes with i can walk into a horse's box i can see the horse exactly as i want to so you can make out his Oh, I can see him from there. Yeah. I can't, I, faces are the one thing I can't see, and, and it, it's an extraordinary thing. Faces are impossible. I can't recognise anybody's face. People think I'm being rude and I walk past them. I just don't know who they are. But from a, from a perspective of actually what we're doing, as, as far as training yeah. is concerned, it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. I can see the horse. They all walk and trot past me every morning. I can tell you which one is lame and which one isn't. And as far as when they're working, Charlie's very good. He'll just he he can spot each one fifty yards before I can. So he's actually he's my Peter O'Sullivan as well. Um, he's got, he's giving me the and now I've got the with binoculars. You can see everything. I mean, I'm good like that. And I don't I, I don't want to be depressing about it, but you know, it's clearly not something that people are going to find easy. Do you think the job that you have, the profession that you've chosen? Is actually helping you in that respect. That if you didn't, if you didn't have the horses and this and this system and, and these mechanics in place, it would be a very different experience. Well, it would. But I mean, as I said, there are certain things like uh, I sort of don't. Well, if, if it's, well, I can't drive. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Luckily, I've you know plenty of ways of getting from A to B. Um, probably take up horseback riding again. 
Um, but it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't stop anything. I've got you know as far as even reading and everything too. I couldn't read the newspaper as it stood there, but I have a mm. way of magnifying it to the point where I can read everything I would need to read. No, it, it doesn't make any difference at all. It's, it, of course, it's boring, and it's a little bit scary in its own way because it does. It is a degenerative thing. So what we're all trying to do is is hold it where it is, as long as it stays as it is at the moment. That's fine. But isn't it? Isn't I mean, if I know anything about you, I know that it is part of your character that you are not going to let obstacles stand in your way. You will just keep going. <laughs> is that fair? I, I think so. I'm, I'm determined or obstinate, whichever you like to call it. Um, but I love doing it. I love the people. I think I, I enjoy people, and all that goes with the all that goes with racing. It's a it's a just a great world, full of great characters, lots of friends, love the horses, and. That's all I want to do. Uh, we have a lovely time. We're very, very lucky. We've got a great place. We've got a great team. Um, and we'll keep going. Is there an unfulfilled ambition? Well, there's obviously one <laughs> race. Grand National, obviously. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I can't see it this year either. Minty <laughs> uh, says he's going on until I go on. Um, until, until we all we'll all pack up together, but he's, we're not packing up until we've won a Grand National. We're leaving it a bit late, but it's still it's still a possibility. Um, as I say, I can't really see one this year. Um, so if anybody's got something nice that they want to park somewhere, <laughs> I can easily find it a, a room. <laughs> um, before we before we finish, I know there was something that that you wanted to to get off your chest. It's a small thing to to a lot of people, but it, it sort of did make me think when you when you brought it up a few days ago when we were chatting, and and that's the the weights that particularly high class horses are being asked to to carry now with the the extra three pounds because of because of COVID added to what was already built into the allowance. And, and I know it's something that's, that's bothering you a little bit. Well, it, it bothers me because, first of all, I don't think many people, the everyday um, punters, if you like, probably even know this, and mm. that we have to declare hoods, blinkers, tongue ties, goodness knows what. But what I don't think anybody understands is that, and nor can I understand it either, to be honest with you, I can. Every horse carries six pounds more than the advertised weight that you read in the paper and the race card. So, so you've, you had all the, the, the existing build-in. There's an exist. I believe the they're going to give one pound back in a minute. Um, or it's possibly going to be so. I'd, I think... If a horse is down to carry 11 stone, it actually carries 11.6. If a horse is down to carry 11.12, which is basically the top weight of, of, of all races, it is actually carrying, instead of 11.12, it's carrying 12.4. Mm. And you've even got situations where horses can come into handicaps one or two pounds above it, you get 12 stone, and then you're carrying 12.6. Well... That, that is not right. It can't be right. 
the whole point of having, you know, there was even in the Grand Nationals, there were some one or two of the handicappers felt that they'd like and did keep the top weight below 11, 12 because it was a better weight to carry over four and a half miles. Yeah, so, so, your, so your argument is a, it's, a, it's a welfare argument. You're, I think there is a welfare is, what, issue, what's the yes. Point what is the point of it? For when if you're but, at level weights, all the horses could carry. Well, it's in the in the Gold Cup, I think it's eleven twelve is 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 the weight. So a filly gets a seven pound allowance. That's it, eleven twelve or a filly, you're getting a seven pound sex allowance. Why not bring that down to eleven six? Just Look, on, on the, a well, every just on jockey a can basis. do. Yes, exactly. And then you build. If you've got to build up six pounds, then you put it back on top. I'm just saying for condition races anyway, non handicaps. What is the point of keeping all these weights that high? Bring them down, put the six on top again. Mm. The, the jockeys can do that weight. In handicaps, it's a different ball game because you have got the ten stone brigade, mm. um, and everybody could come up six pounds from that. So the, the, there is no horse carrying less than ten six. So uh, if you remember with APs and, and Barry Gerrits, who rode for us a lot, ten four was their bottom weight. Mm. Now no jockey has to do less than 10-4. Yeah. Because um, nobody has to do less than 10-6. And, and, no, and could, nobody minds that. And no, nobody minds the, the idea there's not the jockey's really point of view, that's anymore, a good yeah. thing. Fine. But I just think when you're in these condition races in particular, what is the point of starting them all the way up there when you can bring them down and still have the same effect without the horses carrying more than they need to? And it's only, you know, the less they carry, the better well f from the horse's point of view from from everybody's perspective, to be honest with you. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai.